Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. President Joe Biden invoked Martin Luther King over the weekend, saying progress isn't always easy, but it's always possible. King would have turned 94 Sunday, and the day chosen to honor him is a good time to assess progress on his dream of equality. Native educators are part of the network that instills and maintains that legacy for future generations. Coming up, we'll get Native educators' frame of reference for that task. That's right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Oyate Court, a criminal justice partnership between state prosecutors and tribal representatives, is expanding. After being in Pennington County, efforts are underway to create a similar program in nearby Tripp County. South Dakota Public Broadcasting's C.J. Keem has more. Oyate Court offers a path for those in the criminal justice system that goes beyond locking up an offender. Under the program, certain state cases are handed over to the Oyate Court. A circle of Lakota elders from all parties involved comes up with a solution. Organizers say this follows an ancient procedure called peacemaking circles. Pennington County State's Attorney Mark Vargo helped develop the program. He says everyone involved shares a goal. Our relationship with Wambliska and with Woyotun Lutheran Church, who are two of the centerpieces and the, the, the main uh, people who are really putting the time and effort into creating the Oyate Court did not start because we had the idea to create an Oyate Court. It started because we were doing diversion programming to try to get kids into a better situation. Vargo says the program is steeped in Native culture. And Wambliska and Woyotan sponsored and ran come-as-you-are powwows, just very casual powwows where young Native men and women could come and learn to dance, learn to make regalia, learn to drum sing. We would literally have youngsters coming through our diversion programming, either juvenile or adult, and we would tell them that their, the condition of their diversion was that they go attend, you know, five or six of these. Jonathan Oldhorse has been named an advisor for the upcoming Trip County project. He says the future looks bright for the program. Actually, we've had interest in the State's Attorneys Association, which is a nationwide association. We've had eight state's attorneys from different states that are very, very interested in what the Oyate court is doing and how it could be even implemented into, into cities using kind of those tools of, of restorative justice. Old Horse says Oyate court is an effort to address challenges at the root level as opposed to incarceration. For National Native News in Rapid City, I'm C.J. Keene. The Coquel Tribe has given out a record amount of grants to regional nonprofits. KLCC's Brian Bull reports. The Coquel Indian Tribal Community Fund distributed $815,000 this year across five Oregon counties. That's nearly triple last year's total. Among those getting grant money is community-supported shelters, which received $6,300. Heather Kwasanza is CSS's Director of Philanthropy. We're absolutely thrilled. The funds are going to be used for our kitchen coordination program, specifically going towards catering supplies that we need to make sure our clients in our Conestoga Hut communities receive warm food during these super cold winter months. The Coquel Indian Tribal Community Fund has distributed over $8 million in casino proceeds since 2001. Other recipients this year include Square One Villages and South Lane Mental Health. 
For National Native News, I'm Brian Bull. The Interior Department has announced the Board on Geographic Names has voted to remove more place names with the SQ word. The agency in September announced the vote for replacing nearly 650 names and the review of seven more locations. Interior Secretary Deb Holland says words matter and has expressed the need for the nation's public lands and waters to be welcoming to people of all backgrounds. Last week's vote was made after a year-long process to remove the term considered offensive to Native women. The locations are in Alaska, California, North Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, and Wyoming. Updates of the names are effective immediately for federal use. The public may still weigh in through the board on geographic names process. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by Sanofsky Chambers Law, championing tribal sovereignty and Native American rights since 1976, from opioids litigation to treaty rights to tribal self-governance, with offices in Washington, D.C., New Mexico, California, and Alaska. Sanofsky Chambers Law. A historical master trauma class taught by Dr. Ruby Gibson and staff provides tuition-free online training to tribal members who are therapists, counselors, social workers, and traditional healers. Enrollment deadline is March 24, 2023 at freedomlodge.org who support this show. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. In a notable college essay, Martin Luther King Jr. wrote that the purpose of education is to prepare one's mind for absorbing knowledge within a moral framework. Schools across the country have spent time leading up to today's federal holiday named in his honor to teach facts about King and instill his legacy in American history. Native educators have an opportunity to also include additional intersections among King, the civil rights struggle, and the parallel drive for Native American equity. There is a shared oppression between Blacks and Native Americans, and both suffer ongoing racism. But there are many significant differences as well, differences that remain unabridged. On today's show, we'll get an idea of what Native students might encounter in a lesson plan about Martin Luther King and the civil rights struggle. If you'd like to add to our conversation, you can do so by calling in the number 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-99-NATIVE. Joining us first from Lacey, Washington is Jared Kipp. He's a Native Student Program Specialist and the 2022 Washington State Teacher of the Year. He's Wachumni. Jared, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Sean. It's great to be back. Jared, we certainly don't need a holiday to teach Martin Luther King in this civil rights movement, but does today present an opportunity for a heightened understanding of that history? Absolutely. Dr. King provides such a wealth of opportunity to connect not only more to black history in America, but also how our communities have been inextricably linked the legacy and ongoing structures of settler colonialism. Mm -hmm. Well, do Native students have a different take on MLK than students of other races? 
Well, I think in most of most education, everyone kind of gets a similar version of Dr. King's history. But I think when we have opportunities to tie in these connections, then what Native students can get out of it is how, because we're so tied through these settler systems of oppression, we can see how we've been able to um, intersect, how we've been able to collaborate and co um, conspire for social justice. Um, Dr. King uh, spoke early on about militarism, capitalism, and racism, effectively speaking early to these ideas of the impacts of settler colonialism. And he spoke quite often about Native people in, um, at a really pivotal time in Native American uh, history and resistance. Uh, the times he was speaking we're at uh, peak termina termination and relocation, uh, the birth of the American Indian movement, the rise of you know, the taking of Alcatraz that led to so much of the Red Power movement. So when we take Dr. King's story and we see just how much intersection that all oppressed peoples have, then we can find the richness and the connection that we need to, to keep that work moving forward. Mm -hmm. Well, you really highlight uh, the significance of, of Martin Luther King's teachings and how they correlate with uh, what Native American students uh, might find within their perspectives. But I'm also curious, you know, some of the other aspects of Martin Luther King's uh, teachings, his legacy, I mean, he was very, very closely aligned with his Southern Baptist roots. And how do you address some of those spiritual issues uh, in the classroom working with Native students? Well, Spiritualism is, you know, a, was a big part of, of his life and a lot of people that worked with him. Um, I think maintaining spiritual strength is really important in social justice movements. And I think that's something that, as Native people, has always sort of led the way, that whatever movement we've engaged in, uh, we have our spiritual leaders um, brought into the circles. We have um, our, our women uh, our sisters brought into the circles, and we have our two spirits bringing in for that spiritual strength, because that's what we need for strong social justice, to make sure that, that we, we have that balance and an inclusion, but we also resist how much of that traditional spirituality has been um, institutionally taken from us or has been mm -hmm. attempted to be taken from us. So I think there's a lot of opportunities to have those conversations, but I think if we're looking um, in a more sort of critical Indigenous studies lens, then we, we can get into some more complex con conversations about how Christianity can often play such a really um, complicated role and impactful role in uh, Native oppression. Well, Jared, are there any aspects of uh, Martin Luther King that are problematic or that you specifically maybe stay away from, especially when working with Native students in particular? Well, I think, I think one of the things that's important and one of the things that I, I've always taken away from our, our leaders is that no person is perfect, right? Um, that we are all fundamentally human, and we can look at any great leader and, and find fault. Um, but I think the vision and the hope and the actions of social justice teach us a lot. Um, 
but also not shying away from the areas that are problematic um, can help inform us to, to realize that as we speak for a more just and equitable society, that the work starts inside first and that we try to live up to our, our, our ideals as best as possible. What about the timeline? Because so often when we, we think of historical figures, we think, you know, many years ago, we might be thinking about somebody like an Abraham Lincoln or a sitting bull. Uh, but yet MLK, I mean, he, as we shared in the show, uh, if he were alive today, he would, he'd be 94. It's very likely if he hadn't been assassinated, he might still be alive today. And there are many people alive that remember when he was still alive. And, and is that something that you have to approach differently with Native students for somebody who's in some ways a, a, still a contemporary of some people that are alive today? Well, yeah, um, we, we see that a lot. America has a really short attention span. Um, as people who face the ongoing struggle in public education of being persistently historicized or made episodic, uh, Dr. King's story provides us, I think, a good talking point to really help students realize that this, while this may be portrayed as a moment of time, that the legacy and the things that he and we all struggle uh, against to, to create a more beautiful world are ongoing, right? We like to think that with the Civil Rights Act that, you know, some sort of um, – death blow for racism. But the thing is that the, the systems and structures of oppression are designed to, to allow concessions, albeit slowly. They're, they're designed to self-heal. They're designed to celebrate these, these moments of social justice while still maintaining their systems of power and oppression. And so it's important that we realize that we, that we take the time to celebrate our, our heroes, but we also recognize, like you said, the, the scale of time that is going backwards in the present and it's going forward. All time is happening now. Because some of our earliest um, social justice movements together started um, long before America existed. Uh, Native people and uh, enslaved people uh, led successful rebellions uh, for their freedom against people, against colonizers like the Spanish. Um, land and labor and settler colonialism have always linked us. So it's, it's important to realize that we, we don't let ourselves get defined entirely by history. That we don't allow ourselves to be encapsulated. That we're all still living. We're still struggling. And the things we're trying to improve are still ongoing. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Well, Jared, tell us more about uh, Washington State and, and the approach used in, in classrooms uh, where you are, and, and perhaps other schools as well, when it comes to teaching students about MLK? Yeah, well, uh, Washington State is a locally uh, controlled district state, which means districts are pretty much autonomous in many regards. But in our area, it's, it's really common for the, the students to lead the instruction, right? So one of our high schools, I know, um, our Black Student Union plays a really important role in crafting and sharing that message. I think we're now in a position where authenticity is really important, that the people whose story is being told should have a lead position in telling that story. And that the more that we create opportunities for courses like ethnic studies, 
Uh, we have a three program, uh, a three course Native Studies course um, in our district as well. So the more that we provide students an opportunity to engage in these, these narratives, right? Like the whole picture of American history, the more we find opportunities to connect. And that adds a depth, a richness, and a humanity to the narratives uh, that move far beyond sort of your, oh, it's, it's blank holiday, let's roll something out, let's play a video and send students back to class. Um, so the more the more that we lean into it, the more we can get out of it. It's uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day today, January 16th. And topic of the show today deals with not only the legacy of Dr. King, but also how Native students learn about Dr. King, as well as other cultures in the classroom. Uh, one of the key takeaways from his I Have a Dream speech was a message of overall diversity. And we're going to talk with other guests today, other teachers, other education people uh, about that legacy of Dr. King and how we can teach our Native students more about diversity, how they can understand other cultures, other communities, all key areas of focus today on Native America Calling. And if you have a question or if you have something to share about Martin Luther King, please give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. How did you learn about Martin Luther King Jr. in your school, your elementary school, your middle school, your high school? I'd really like to know today. Again, that number, 1-800-996-2848. We'll be right back. Janish Meeting is a powerful comedic force both in front of and behind the screen. She's created iconic characters on Rutherford Falls and Reservation Dogs, two TV series with groundbreaking roles for native talent. We'll hear about Schmeeting's creative process and what's next for the writer and actor on the next Native America Calling. Bonjour. Nandawaban dan Medicaid anike bindagebi agade mazanayagan jaganawain dagwasiyan. O dage kenda nawa guayak endayan anishanabe akwasi wigamigung. Gaundinagadeg, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Thanks for tuning in to Native America Calling on this Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about how King's legacy and the fight for civil rights is presented to Native American students. Is the narrative different from what other students are taught? Should it be? Join our discussion right now at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Joining us next from Flagstaff, Arizona, is Alberta Nels. She's an art, social studies, and service learning teacher at the Star School. She's Dene. Alberta, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. 
Yate, Alberto, welcome back. Thank you for that warm introduction you gave us. And uh, Alberta, let's talk a little bit about Arizona and the state teaching standards there. How do they guide your approach to teaching Native students about Martin Luther King? Yes, yeah, so we have um, our state standards as us as being a charter school. And so we do have certain requirements we need to fill, but also us being a charter school, we do have some flexibility to be able to create our own curriculum in order to be of service to our students. The majority of our students are indigenous. We are outside of Flagstaff about 20 minutes and we're about five miles from the reservation line. So majority of our students are bused in from the Navajo Nation and we do uh, serve um, a diverse group of Indigenous students. So we do have that flexibility and also within our own um, standards as a school to provide a cultural um, and linguistic Indigenous context within our curriculum. Do you have any MLK events planned for this week? Uh, we have a few lectures and a few activities um, depending upon the grades. And for myself, I teach middle school service learning. So I usually do um, a brief lecture, some journaling, and just uh, different examples of how we can celebrate the legacy of Dr. King. I'm interested in learning more about the, the, the journalism activity. So what, do you give your students uh, an assignment to write? Yes, yeah, so we do a lot of reflections. And so usually um, I'll do a brief lecture, just kind of going over the timeline and the way that um, I correlate it is really, um, so you'll have black history on one side and then you'll have indigenous history on the other. And then you kind of see the timeline between the two of events and how they correlated, how people work together and how um, as oppressed people, how we were able to come together and work together in order to achieve the social justice that was needed and that is still needed for today and then how that leads to them now and what their responsibility is as young adults and as they grow into adulthood and then what it's going to mean for them as young indigenous adults in the world. So just kind of tying all that together and how it all correlates and connects. Do your students like that type of journaling activity and, and what kind of feedback do you get from them? Oh, it's beautiful. It's once we're able to make the connection of how it connects to them, how it connects to past generations and future generations. And we always keep that concept in of the seven generations, what legacy we're going to build, what kind of an ancestor we're going to be and what legacy we're going to leave behind. So we create a safe space for our students to be able to express that. And verbally, they might not be able to, but at the end of the day, when they leave and I'm reading through their journals, sometimes I just sit there and cry because of how beautifully they're able to express how proud they are as an Indigenous person, as a Brown youth, and what it's going to mean to them to take on these responsibilities into the future. So when it really does, when that light bulb comes on and it clicks and it really resonates with them, it's a very beautiful outcome of how they're able to express it. 
And that's really interesting that some of them are better able to articulate their thoughts and feelings through writing than they are uh, actually speaking, which makes this sound like just that much more impactful of an exercise for them. So Alberta, tell us this framework uh, that you're describing, can it teach students about other cultures too? I'm thinking about perhaps Asian people, Middle Eastern people, other peoples of color. Yeah, so we like to look at um, all different areas and all different regions. So we do see this um, with a lot of our youth, and I'm pretty sure youth elsewhere. They're becoming very interested in hip-hop culture, K-pop, anime. And so we really dive into, okay, well, what is the original context? What is um, coming from this region? What is the language that they speak? Who are the indigenous people of these areas? So like looking at Japanese culture, anime, you know, who are the Ainu? Or looking at K-pop culture and K-dramas and some of the more like historical context of it and the way that they dress. So really looking more in depth at that and then being able to identify, you know, what is their culture? What is their material culture? What are things that they have in common with us? Are they matrilineal, patrilineal? Do they have matriarch, patriarchs? And then how does that connect? So really looking at the actual culture, culture, and going more in depth at that, and then them realizing like, oh, it's like they're actually other indigenous people, or oh, okay, they have this in their culture, which is similar to ours, or that's different. So really just looking at that as a whole. Mm. Yeah, it just sounds really, really inspiring. Uh, I want to come check out your classroom, Alberta. Sounds like <laughs> a lot of really, really, really cool you. stuff going on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then multiculturalism, it sounds like it is something that you really um, pay close attention to as well. And more and more, we're seeing Native students that, that have shared um, backgrounds with regard to other cultures. And is that something that um, is able to kind of be explored through activities like this as well? Yeah, so really looking at um, themselves as a person who they're coming from, and some of them are coming from a multicultural backgrounds, and then really embracing that, and then really looking at the diversity that's out there and understanding that they are who they are and that it's something special. That we do have some students that are mixed. They're indigenous, they're half African-American or Caucasian and other ethnicities. And them understanding that as a whole person, that's who they are. And unfortunately, we, we, do, we do still see colorism. And sometimes in the urban community or elsewhere and them learning that to be proud of who they are, all parts of them. And uh, it's part of our relationship to the earth. It's a part of our relationship to the universe, that who we are as a whole person and our identity is really what builds the foundation for them. And also understanding that compassion for one another and accepting one another and having those types of diversities and being proud of them. Mm. Now, Alberta, another thing I want to mention as well is, you know, your state, Arizona, was infamously the last state to formally recognize MLK Day, and that was back almost uh, a little over 30 years ago, 1992. And is there any of that residual resistance uh, still persisting in, in any schools there that you're familiar with? I'm not familiar with it, but we have, um, have had a lot of concerns with, like, critical race theory, 
and also um, teaching um, outside cultures, banned books. So we are still um, seeing that struggle within the education system. But, uh, you know, we do have schools like Star School and some of the other uh, diverse schools that um, are very much still embracing and educating a lot of these things, not to be rebellious, but to be of service to our youth. I'm glad you mentioned critical race theory, because I'm, I'm curious to know where that fits into our conversation today. Uh, I, I know in many states, um, there's a lot of debate over CRT and, and whether or not it belongs in classrooms. What's your thought on that, Alberta? I believe that it is necessary. And a lot of it is just a really understanding of how things happen and why they happened. So at the beginning of my school year, I do a practice called the seven generations. And we look at the different time eras, starting from the Indian Wars, and then how that leads to today and how we see the Indian Wars, assimilation, um, the boarding school era, and then you see that red power movement, self-determination, and then where we are now. And the way that I explain it to my students is that this is an explanation of why we see some of the struggles within our community. It's not an excuse, but it's part of the reason why we have some of these social political issues that face our people. So teaching that historical context of them and they're able to gain that compassion in order for us to um, move forward. So it is very necessary for us to know the history, the actual history of how things happened and also being cautious of how it's presented. Alberta Nels is a teacher in Flagstaff, Arizona. If you've got a comment or a question for Alberta or for Jared Kep, who's a Native Program Student Specialist up in Washington State, give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. Our third guest on the show today is joining us from Minnesota, Nate Taylor. He's the director of an immersion program and a founder of a charter school in Red Lake. He's also a member of the Red Lake Nation. Nate, welcome back to our show. Hey, hey, how's it going? We're doing really well. Nate, please tell us a little bit more about the charter school that you, uh, you're involved with there in Red Lake. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so I, I, I'm a little intimidated by the, the first two guests. You guys seem pretty far and fairly well, well established. Um, we are, we in the last two years have created a school out of thin air and um, we are now servicing 50 to 86 children on the Red Lake Reservation in northern Minnesota. Um, Red Lake is unique in the sense that it's a closed reservation. Um, the only people that can really come onto the land legally is the, the federal government. So in that sense, we are a closed reservation. There's like a, we have our own fire station, our own hospital, our own, you know, now we have our own school. And, um, but we do have a state-run school on our lands too also. So uh, just to give you a brief, uh, brief, uh, you know, uh, visual of, of where, where I'm coming from. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Nate. That's really, really helpful. And well, tell us more. What kind of leeway do you folks have there uh, when teaching about MLK? Do you present the history and legacy the same way as any other school in Minnesota or as a charter school? Can you take a different approach? 
Okay, so I grew up in Minneapolis, right? And um, I, brew, I grew up in, uh, let's see, North Minneapolis. And, you know, they, they, we would watch these videos called Eyes on the Prize. And I feel like, you know, in, it was really centered you on, on the struggle of what happened in America. And um, I feel like that we want to get to that point, but I feel like we, in the beginning, we're going to have to uh, establish who our leaders were and then also, you know, get to the point where we were learning about all throughout American history because we are a state-run school in that sense. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd also like to learn a little bit more uh, about what happens in the classroom and the approach used. We Earlier, we heard from Alberta describe some of the journaling activities and things like that. And as I understand it, you took some students to Oakland and, and met a woman who was a Black Panther. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was through NACA when we went through our, our, our student center learning and through our NACA. Um, so NACA-inspired schools had... Uh, basically incubated our school in a sense and ran us through the gamut and i believe that was uh you know that was part of the training that we went through we got to visit a school out in oakland and as we were out there uh or the homies empowerment network network in oakland uh, as we were there we got to meet uh, a black panther and she really inspired us for a lot of our you know our, our well-building in our curriculum so there's things that we're going to get to that we haven't gotten to yet but it was a learning experience. Well, you mentioned this was uh, a trip that was uh, made possible in part by uh, NACA, the Native American Community Academy. And we actually have a guest who's going to be joining us uh, from NACA here shortly. But, uh, Nate, um, tell us more uh, about how students are, are relating to MLK and, and also just uh, learning about other cultures uh, outside of their own there at the school. What's the, what's, what are some of the approaches that are being used? Okay, so <clears throat> let's see. We, um, in regards to the, our our curriculum, like I was saying, we're we're, we're fairly into the infancy stage, but we, NACA has been a major part of our planning. So um, we're utilizing different things like understanding by design and um, how we're learning about the outside it, history. Is I guess um, I, I'll just say I, I I just have to say that we're still. We're still learning. We're still structuring in that regard. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting. And uh, as I understand, I mean, you mentioned you grew up in Minneapolis, and uh, I think you grew up in a in a black neighborhood, if I'm not mistaken. And does that influence uh, how you're able to relate to some of these topics, and especially when you when you work with students and, and perhaps some students that that don't have that background that you had and, and aren't as familiar with with black cultures. Yes, I, so when I did grow up, I grew up with, uh, there, I grew up in Minneapolis, and it was really well regarded. Like, we, we had programs like Division of Indian Work. We had programs like Indian Upward Bound. We had programs, and then the school that I was in, like, was predominantly back Franklin Junior High in North Minneapolis. And um, they would run, like, Black History Month. We would, uh, it was intense learning of uh, Eyes on the Prize. I don't know if you've ever heard of that program. But it's just a series of videos where they uh, run you through the gamut of uh, of learning of the history, you know, of the struggles of the, the 60s, the 70s, and today. And, you know, like uh, I believe uh, it was mentioned earlier, you know, the, the, those same in that same regard. A lot of our people, you know, we I feel like we were um, 
we were challenged in those times, you know, of the aim, you know, of the, the what is it, the Alcatraz Island, the Black Panthers, and AIM was formed the same time as the Black Panthers was formed and different things in that area. So I, I believe that the coming together and the knowledge was uh, brought about around that time. Well, we're speaking with Nate Taylor, and uh, he's uh, got a brand new school up there in Red Lake. And so, Nate, as I understand it, you folks are just into just getting started there with your charter school, and we wish you folks uh, lots of success going forward. Really appreciate you joining us today. Well, folks, we do have to take a short break here, but I want to ask the question, why do you think it's important to learn about other people and other cultures and issues? Why is it important, do you think, to share that information with our young Native students today? If you've got an answer for that question, we're waiting to hear it. 1-800-996-2848. We'll be right back. Are you a Native American health care provider, recovery counselor, social worker, domestic and sexual abuse advocate, or traditional healer working in Native American communities? Dr. Ruby Gibson will begin a six-month advanced immersion in healing historical trauma. This online masterclass looks through the lens of a seven-generational recovery approach to provide powerful, proven modalities and is offered tuition-free to tribal members. Registration deadline is March 24, 2023. Info at freedomlodge.org who support this show. Thank you for tuning in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. What are you doing this Martin Luther King Day? It's a federal holiday and often seen as a time of reflection about this country's past and current civil rights struggles. We're looking forward to hearing the perspectives of some listeners today. Do you honor Martin Luther King in your home? Do you think King significantly improved awareness and respect for Native students? Call us, 1-800-996-2848, 1-800-996-2848. We have a caller on the line now. His name is Samuel, and he's listening in Bethel, Alaska on KYUK. Samuel, hello. Hello. Uh, Thank you for having me. Thank you for calling us, Samuel. What's on your mind? Yeah, I I have a question for for that uh, that man that that who are just starting out with with their school. Uh, We. Uh, here in Bethel, uh, they are they have started a pro- program called Yupik Immersion, where our young uh, students are learning how to speak in Yupik, also write. And I was curious um, when when they first when when they started out, where did the uh, funding come from and how did they start? Okay, all right, Samuel. Thank you for that call. It's uh, a question for Nate Taylor in in Minnesota with the Charter School. Nate, can you respond to uh, Samuel's question about uh, getting funding to start your school? Sure. Um, we where we got our funding was partially from the tribe for the buildings, but then the state, since it's a charter school. Uh, Minnesota is one of the first places to start charter schools. So we found it through, so our school is mandated through the state and it's state funding. So we get our money from the state to run a school on our reservation. So and that's how it's working. 
And is that working out pretty well? I mean, do you have any, uh, are your budgets adequately uh, served by those funds that you're referring to, Nate? Yes, we do go through a financial agency that, that manages our money and um, forecasts what we, where we need it. Um, and then we're also grant funded. I believe my wife, so my wife is a grant writer and we're kind of a tandem, we're a tag team where she's a grant writer and then I'm a, a language speaker and a language keeper and a knowledge keeper of the songs and, and the story of the legends. So we kind of tag team and we were able to grow and uh, she's able to been able to in the beginning find us some grants that really helped us, you know, in our humble beginning. That sounds great, Nate. Thanks for sharing. Let's take another call now. Otway, who is listening on Second Mesa in Hopi on station KUYI. Otway, you're on Native America calling. Yes, okay. Thank you. Otway, are you there? Yeah, I'm there. Yeah, um, basically, I, I will call about um, since this is um, Martin Luther King Day. I'd like to talk about what happened during that time when he was living, particularly talk about, like, Jim Crow and stuff like that. And that's basically his focus on one thing, um, to give civil rights to black people. And, uh, and all the hurdles he had to go through to accomplish that. Uh, okay. <laughs> and so that, that's why I like to... Um, like to mention, and everything should be mentioned during that time. I mean, you should talk about lynching, Jim Crow, and stuff like that, as well as Emmett Till. All that played a role mm -hmm. and the thing that he was trying to accomplish during that time. Otway, uh, thank you for calling and, and, and helping us uh, gain a better perspective of just the enormity of, of Dr. King's legacy. And you're absolutely right. There are just so many elements uh, to discuss and to learn about here. You mentioned uh, the Jim Crow era. You mentioned lynching. You mentioned uh, Emmett Till and just so many different aspects. And, and let's talk more with our guests about how they approach those different elements of, of King's legacy and, and what they can include in lessons. And to do that, let's bring in our fourth guest now, who's joining us from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Zane Rosette is the executive director of the Native American Community Academy. He's Chippewa Cree. Uh, Zane, welcome to Native America Calling. Good morning, relatives. Great to be here. Zane, we just heard from Otway uh, asking uh, about uh, including all these different working parts with regard to Martin Luther King. And uh, I think the question I want to ask you to kind of get us started thinking about some of those other elements is, at what age do most of your students realize that MLK, uh, that legacy is more than just a reason to have a day off from school? I think it all depends on uh, your teachers and, and the autonomy that you place on them. Most of our elementary students at NACA as a K through 12 school are exposed to some foundational knowledge on Dr. King um, and, and taking out those qualities and skills that we see in ourselves that Dr. King displayed. And usually it's, it's having conversations either, even with our little ones around like, what do those look like in our community? What do they look like in our classroom? So really giving, getting them accustomed to talking about a skill set that people had a historical understanding and then as they transition into middle school you kind of go in into uh, a deeper presence around uh, Dr. King and who he was and the impact on, on the greater community and all the human aspects of, of Dr. King. I think at, at a time when um, I'm 44 years old uh, when I was younger it was you know uh, Black History Month and we would visit Dr. King but how are those present throughout the year in, in understanding historical figures when you know 
they benefited so many communities throughout our country around being able to just bring ourselves up and be at the table to be able to uh, really guide that instruction and, and those core beliefs on this is what's needed in our community. So I think, Dr. King, um, we get into that more in the middle school around really understanding everything that was going on at those times. Oh, sorry. Um, and then just some of those explicit uh, details and then usually through the planning process, what are we exposing our kids to and, and giving our parents a heads up so that they could be a part of the conversation also. We'd like to preface our lessons around um, weekly updates or, or themes so that our parents could also have those same conversations in their homes. Right, because <clears throat> these topics that, that the Colorado Way mentions, I mean, Emmett Till and, and just some of the horrible atrocities that occurred, uh, the Freedom Marches, I mean, these are difficult things to talk about. Um, they're triggering types of types of topics. And um, yeah, so certainly, I mean, you really have to take a, a very balanced approach and really think about how to introduce these subjects with young people in, in a school setting. And so that begs the question, Zaina, I mean, about how much time does a school such as NACA devote to, to MLK lessons and civil rights? Yeah, we really like to uh, really put that on our teacher's plate around like this is you know, these are some of the important aspects of, of history or, or dates and time for our, for our nation and communities that are coming up. How are we going to be inclusive in that instruction in our classroom? Um, today, um, we are off of school, but in the past, we have been in school, and it's been a service learning day, and then talking about Martin Luther King Jr. and his legacy and how that impacts our community, really trying to take home that theme of, of service, uh, which is present in Native communities and, and always has been, and how can we link those two, making connections on on what has happened historically across different ethnicities and races and how we all benefit from those from that work and how is that impacting us today and how can we further that as a community as well? Zane, can you give any examples of um, Native students and being able to recognize themselves inside the civil rights movement? Yeah, for sure. I think I think an, a, an easy one, at least for NACA, is, um, you know, NACA is a free public charter um, open to anyone. The vast majority of our students are Native American, and it's diverse in that, that, you know, 60 different tribes are represented within our school. And so when we have conversations around the <clears throat> civil rights, it's usually starting off around, like, what is it, the broad themes? How was it? How was it? Um, taking place in our in our native communities our larger communities as a nation as a whole and trying to draw those parallels and connections of well what's the end goal here where were they trying to move the needle per se in in advancement for people that were being oppressed at that time uh, and are still being oppressed and then coming up with activities for our students to really take part in in leadership of what if we had to make changes uh, currently, like what kind of changes can we make and how can we advocate for those changes? What kind of tools and resources do we need? So I think it's really having conversations with your students uh, about the reality. A lot of the time in the past, if we're going back on our educational upbringing, it's kind of glossed over. There's some key points that they give um, that was not necessarily given from our communities. It's giver, given from the larger community of this is what you will teach. So it's really digging deeper of like, what does our community want our kids to know about that time? Um, how do we expose them to that? And how do we build on our students' leadership as well within those concepts? 
And Zane, lessons like what you're describing, lessons like what we heard Alberta describe earlier as well to promote uh, diversity and understanding. Are, are there a lot of resources available to help teachers develop materials like this, uh, grants and, and other funding sources as well? Yeah, there's there's a lot of people doing great work out there um, in Native communities, outside of Native communities. NACA has been blessed. Um, we uh, received a grant a year and a half ago to completely rewrite our literacy curriculum at the elementary school. Basically what that means is we wanted our educators, which were all Native people at that time, to go in there and look at our literacy curriculum for New Mexico. Uh, what are those key standards? And then at the same time, how do we make this more relevant and uh, genuine for our students with the idea that we want our students secure in their identity, we want them academically prepared, and we want them healthy as they navigate the educational experience. So there are a lot of key influential people out there that are willing and, and wanting to work with Indigenous communities. And then it's also like really giving your own community the ability to dream. Um, I think at NACA, what we really try to do is give our teachers the autonomy to, to look at what was presented us in the past, what didn't work, what can we do differently? And with the idea, we're gonna make some mistakes, but being okay making those mistakes because at the end of it, we know things didn't work historically for our kids. So let's take those chances now and be able to move forward in a way that provides us data to be able to continually make edits to our current programming. But at the root of that effort is we know things need to change and let's do it right now. Mm -hmm. Now, Zane, you mentioned earlier, including families, parents, and guardians as well in these conversations and these lessons. And what kind of feedback are you getting from the families uh, when their students come home and, and they share some of these topics that they're learning about in school with regard to MLK and and other messages of inclusion and diversity? I mean, I think at NACA, we're like, we're extremely blessed. The Southwest is, you know, I come from the Northern Plains area. But in the Southwest, you are extremely blessed, especially the Albuquerque metro area. Uh, there's a multitude of, of Native American people here for employment reasons. Um, tons of professional organizations that are Native-centric. Um, and so when we have these conversations and build on uh, communities, NACA is like a hub for Indigenous people here in the city. Uh, a lot of people are away from their home base, which uh, is their small town or reservation where a lot of that cultural experiences take place. And so they're yearning for a place to uh, take part in these conversations and experiences. And so at NACA, we try to give that to our family. We actually try to let that come to light from our families. Like, what do you want? Every year we survey our families on, you know, how well are we doing? Where do we need to get better? And a lot of that data drives the next year's um, experiences. Um, at NACA, we have five languages that are taught at the school and they're all indigenous languages. So a lot of the time they're coming into campus after hours to experience language with their families, uh, the instructor, the kids, people of the community. And then there's cultural nights, there's, uh, our teachers showcasing um, some of the cultural activities and things that they are allowed to share at school and sharing those with families. So we try to do a really good job of bringing community to the campus. 
Okay. Zane, thank you so much. And let's go ahead and bring Jared Kett back into the conversation. Jared, we just heard uh, Zane talking uh, about how families are included in, in these topics and these lessons. And uh, what other tips or uh, advice can you offer listeners uh, to promote these topics and this type of learning, not just in classrooms, but also at home? Yeah, well, I, I also want to thank the, the previous caller about the importance about teaching about Jim Crow. Um, because it tells us a lot of story. It tells us a lot about strength as humans to resist great oppression, but it also tells us like the extent to which oppressors will go to maintain and protect their power. Um, and I think teaching about things like Jim Crow and even teaching about our own Native history is that it helps us see that in the present, right? Like. The, the Jim Crow that MLK fought against, like, it made huge changes that benefited everyone. But now we still live in an era with a new flavor of Jim Crow that impacts people to this day. Um, you know, Native and Black people are still uh, the most impacted by police violence, um, environmental racism. Um, we still have uh, issues of voter suppression. Uh, racism in medical practice. So all these issues that we learn about in the past, uh, they have improved, but they've also like really morphed. And so the skills to the skills of social justice are really important. And when we talk about how do we teach about this stuff, um, like you mentioned, how do we come, how do we have these, uh, how do we address these difficult topics? And I think the question reveals itself: difficult topics for who? Right, because the, th these stories are our lived realities, the lived realities of our ancestors. And we don't want those to be the lived realities of the seventh generation. So we have a responsibility to like help those that need to have it, but have those brave conversations and get them the tools and the language they need. And I think the stamina that people need to, to, to maintain the difficulty of these conversations, because at the end of the day, we all want a better society, and we just need to be able to come together, have mm -hmm. the mutual courage to, to listen with an open heart. That is all the time we have for our show today. I want to thank our guests and callers for what's been a really enlightening conversation on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Join us back here tomorrow as we devote the hour to one of the most accomplished comedy writers and actors out there, Janish Meeting. I'm Sean Spruce. Looking for opportunities to expand, improve, and share your artistic talents? The Crazy Horse Memorial has programs for indigenous artists, culture bearers, and educators of North America, including funding, an artist residency, a speaker series, performance opportunities, and more. The Crazy Horse Memorial Foundation mission is to protect and preserve the cultures, traditions, and living heritages of North American Indians. Application deadline is January 31st at crazyhorsememorial.org, who support this show. This month and every month, remember, one in three Native American adults have high blood pressure. Check it at your nearest community health center. If the numbers are above 120 over 80, talk to a healthcare professional. Native community well-being is very important. You can take action by visiting heart.org slash HBP control. This support provided in partnership with HHS slash OMH and HRSA under cooperative agreement CPIMP 2112-27 and CPIMP 2112-28.
Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanic Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.